Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founding editor of the podcast. Today we are discussing meniscal repair techniques, specifically for the middle and posterior thirds. I'm excited to be joined in this discussion by one of my current practice partners, Dr. John Dickens. Dr. Dickens is an active duty Army surgeon, the current president of the Society of Military Orthopedic Surgeons, and the chief of orthopedic sports medicine at Walter Reed. Dr. Dickens was an author on the infographic article titled Meniscal Repair Techniques for Middle and Posterior Third Tears, which was published in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. His co-authors include Zachary Amon and Travis Decker. John, congratulations on your work and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you first start us off with a brief background on your interest and experience with meniscus tears and why you were interested in producing this infographic? Uh, absolutely. And as you know, we really see a lot of these uh, types of injuries in the military and, and getting them back to duty can be a challenge. And, you know, from some of the stuff that, that we've seen in, uh, in our military population, it's up to 10 times more meniscus tears maybe than uh, a civilian population. And there's really just been a number of different modalities and evolving techniques that's come about relatively recently to address meniscal tears, as well as efforts to save the meniscus. And so uh, this was a natural extension of, of that sort of knowledge and need for new information that prompted us to do this. Great. I'd like to discuss each of the repair techniques outlined in your manuscript in detail, working through the technique, the applications, and clinical implications. Let's start with what most consider to be the gold standard, the inside-out repair. Can you describe for our listeners the technique involved in this repair and perhaps some of the tips you've acquired in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And this is still my uh, preferred or go-to technique for challenging meniscus tears. It's really highly versatile, uh, can be used in a lot of different uh, scenarios, and is one where I'll use uh, in any scenario where I feel like it's going to be a challenge to get meniscal uh, healing. As you know, we, we use our standard anterior medial, anterior lateral arthroscopy portals, uh, but in combination with an accessory posterior medial or posterior lateral incision, depending on if we're addressing the medial or lateral meniscus. The posterior lateral uh, window is just behind the FCL and is in a window of the posterior IT band and the biceps, and this is to protect the perineal nerve. I make this usually in 90 degrees of uh, flexion to uh, protect the nerve. The medial repair approach uh, is posterior to the superficial MCL, again, to protect the saphenous nerve with the interval between the the gastrox and the capsule. In terms of pearls, I think, you know, having multiple different passes of sutures is key and is important for getting good meniscal healing. I also think it's important to include uh, sutures both superior as well as inferior to the meniscus. And this helps to really reduce and appropriately place the meniscus back to its anatomic uh, location. Certainly, if doing a concomitant ACL reconstruction and depending on how that's done, I think it's important to consider when to tie the meniscal repair. Uh, For me, I will oftentimes perform my ACL reconstruction and use a hyperflex knee position. So I will place my meniscal repair sutures, then do my ACL reconstruction and tunnel drilling, and then come back and tie my meniscal uh, repair sutures to prevent 
stress on my repair during the hyperflex uh, position. And then I think it's additionally uh, useful or important to know that there's just a, a lot of new and evolving technology that's available to us. Certainly these can be more challenging, but there's uh, self-delivery zone-specific needles that are helpful now to potentially take some of the uh, assistance that's needed with these out of the picture. And there's different sorts of sutures, not just uh, standard suture, but more tape-type sutures that may provide better uh, time zero pullout strength. Excellent tips. Uh, it's my go-to as well, and uh, I think we share a lot of those same techniques based on our similar training histories. Next, can you discuss for us some of the advantages and disadvantages of this inside-out repair technique? To me, the most important advantage uh, to this is that this is probably our most low-profile uh, approach to meniscus repair in terms of the diameter of puncture that's going through the meniscus. It allows also multiple fixation points. So I think we can get you know, 10, 12, an infinite number of passes through the uh, meniscal tear, and this is really important for establishing a good, again, time zero uh, repair. Placing these perpendicular to a vertical mattress uh, suture through meniscus and through capsule is also uh, another advantage of, of this. There are some certainly disadvantages. Uh, requires an additional uh, incision that carries with uh, it, the complications that go with that. Probably most important is that it requires an experienced, skilled assistant, um, both to uh, deliver but also to retrieve the meniscal needles. And as such, uh, longer surgical times is not uh, unexpected uh, after this. All right. Next, can we move on and describe the all-inside repair, including the technique itself, perhaps some of the differences in the various devices out there, and some tips or tricks you've picked up along the way? Absolutely. And I think this is really what's changed more in recent years and has allowed us to get more efficient, maybe even a little bit more aggressive with our efforts to save the uh, meniscus. There's capsular-based repairs, and, and these are really are repairs that are through the meniscus and capsule, as the name suggests, and are ideal in addressing longitudinal type tears uh, with an implant that's posterior to the capsule and a sliding knot uh, intra-articularly. The meniscus-based uh, repairs use a combination of sutures that are passed all within the meniscus uh, tissue. And this is where we've really expanded our efforts to address the more challenging meniscus tears uh, these include horizontal or radial tears, as well as other types of tears where in the prior history we may have elected for a meniscus uh, debridement. Several companies now have all uh, inside meniscal repair sutures that allows us to place these sutures and then tie knots intra-articularly. I think uh, in terms of uh, tips and tricks, certainly one of the more important things when doing this uh, is to ensure that you have good visualization. And with doing these all inside techniques, uh, it's critical to have access and visibility uh, to the meniscus and the meniscus tear. So with this technique or really any meniscus uh, repair where we need more room and, and more visibility, I would really encourage people to uh, pie crust or address the MCL, uh, particularly when doing the medial side. You can do this in a variety of different methods. Um, you can use a spinal needle and pie crust from an inside out uh, direction with the valgus force. 
Uh, you can also uh, do this from outside in, but this really provides uh, the much needed improved visualization. Uh, and it can even just be one or two millimeters, but that's key to ensure that you get good exposure and you don't damage the surrounding articular cartilage. Excellent tips. Uh, one of the things I always try and teach the residents is that technique for that trephination of the MCL, like you described. I think it's a huge advantage for safely performing these types of procedures uh, without injuring the cartilage. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of this all inside repair technique? Number one, I think, you know, it doesn't require separate incisions. You can do it kind of more efficiently uh, while you're addressing the rest of the issues that may be going on in that knee. Um, it's easier. It doesn't require skilled assistance. And so it has a lot of advantages that, that really make it fit in nicely to the workflow. Um, you know, it does have the larger delivery needle uh, and meniscal uh, penetration. And so it's hard to uh, place multiple uh, implants and certainly cost becomes an issue there as well. We know that um, the risk of neurovascular injury is not insignificant, it's not common. Uh, but particularly when addressing those posterior and posterior tears of the lateral meniscus, it's probably more of a concern than other locations. So we don't want to over penetrate uh, in those uh, areas. And it also requires arthroscopic uh, knot time. So there is some concern of potential knot prominence or suture prominence that may be a theoretical disadvantage uh, of these if, if you're doing a uh, knot tying uh, technique within the knee. Can you share with us, John, some of the evidence out there on the benefit of meniscus repair in general? And then more specifically, what's currently known about comparing the outcomes of these various techniques we just discussed? So the, the retail rate for uh, isolated meniscal uh, repairs is generally between 15 and 20 uh, percent. It might even be a little bit higher than that, depending on the, the type of uh, population that you are addressing. It's uh, worse in tears that are in the red-white zone than the all-red zone, so red-red zone. Those tears that have a rim width of more than three millimeters, uh, which implies it's more in the red-white zone, uh, have a higher failure rate. Uh, younger patients have a higher failure rate. Lateral tears have a higher failure rate. And as I mentioned before, the isolated uh, repairs have, have a higher uh, failure rate. In conjunction with the ACL uh, reconstruction, the outcomes of a meniscal repair are generally much improved. And, and this is probably because of some of the biologic environment that allows for meniscal repair. Some of the studies uh, still, though, demonstrate some high, high retail rates. In the Moon study, they have reported up to 15% of their patients had a retail after the ACL reconstruction and concomitant meniscus repair. But still, generally speaking, meniscal repair at the time of ACL reconstruction is much favorable and does much better than an isolated meniscus repair. In terms of uh, the outcomes, the biomechanical strength, and, and overall multiple systematic reviews have looked at this. And whether it's inside out or all inside, generally speaking, the outcomes and retail rates are equivalent. As you mentioned, we know that healing rates of meniscus repairs are better when done in combination with the ACL reconstruction as opposed to the isolated repairs, which, like you said, is thought to be linked to this post-operative intraarticular environment in the knee. 
generated by the process of ACL tunnel reaming. Can you discuss for us some of the biological adjuncts that have been introduced along with meniscus repair to augment the healing process when these repairs are done in isolation? Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it starts with, I think, preparation of the meniscus repair, and that can be uh, done by abrasion of the surrounding capsule or the meniscal uh, tear site, uh, or intrepanation to increase vascular channels perhaps within the meniscus. Intercondylar notch marrow venting is another technique. Again, this is similar to uh, what we do at the time of an ACL when we're drilling our, our femoral and tibial tunnels. And this attempts to replicate the biologic environment that we might see at the time of an ACL uh, reconstruction. Other options include fibrin clots, which have uh, been done historically uh, and can be delivered into the repair site. And certainly those uh, demonstrate improved uh, healing uh, potentially. And more recently, we've seen uh, increasing evidence from biologic adjuncts like platelet-rich plasma or concentrated uh, bone marrow aspirate, which have shown early clinical as well as radiographic improvements in meniscal repairs. So we've covered a fairly decent amount of high-value information on the approach to these tears, techniques for repairing them, and potentially what to do about uh, biologically augmenting those repairs. So before we close, can you share with us your current approach and decision-making process with respect to treating an isolated meniscus tear and a repair technique? Yeah, first I would say that our trend tends to be uh, to save the the meniscus and make every effort to do that. Um, I would rather have a meniscus repair attempted and to go back and debreed that than to be debriding more meniscus uh, tears that should have been repaired. And I think that's certainly an effort to prevent the long-term sequelae of osteoarthritis that comes about with a meniscus debridement. So with that said, even for tears that are red-white zone, radial tears, horizontal tears with the equipment that's at hand, I think we are better able to address those tears today with some of the uh, technology that's available to us. For smaller vertical tears, maybe that are encountered at the time of an ACL, I tend to still use the uh, all-inside technique. And again, there's a variety of different methods or uh, companies that can provide those implants. For larger bucket handle tears, uh, whether they're in isolation or at the time of an ACL, my preference is to do an inside-out repair for those, in part because I have more confidence in my fixation, my ability to get more sutures across, but I also think it really helps me fine-tune my reduction and get a nice anatomic repair, which can be important for those larger bucket handle tears. And then lastly, in terms of the radial tears and horizontal tears, that's really where I think recently, for me, it's been more of a shift to attempting to fix these with all-inside meniscal-based sutures. And I've been very pleased with some of the early outcomes that I've seen uh, both in my practice, but also in literature uh, with uh, fixing these. John, I want to congratulate you again on this work, and thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts with us today. Thanks, Chris. This is uh, really a pleasure and such a tremendous job that you and all of Anna have done with this podcast. I can't tell you how many people and residents I've heard really tuning into this. So this is just a tremendous opportunity, and thank you for having me. We appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. 
Dr. Dickens' article titled Meniscal Repair Techniques for Middle and Posterior Third Tears can be found in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal, which is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in the podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.